We live in a world of dynamic cyber threats, but one thing is clear, human behavior is the most vulnerable target for attacks. Welcome to Behave by CyberSafe, the foremost cybersecurity podcast focused on human cyber risk. Organizational awareness is no longer enough, so how will your team stay protected? Be sure to subscribe to Behave on your preferred listening app for cutting edge insights into our evolving industry and stay ahead of the shift to security behaviors and human risk quantification. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of uh, the Behave podcast. My name is Munya Hoto. I'm the VP of Marketing here at CybeSafe. And today I have an absolute treat for our listeners and audience. Today I'm joined by Ava Woods-Fliegel, uh, who is the security awareness leader for Raytheon Technologies. Uh, prior to joining Raytheon, uh, Ava, you ran and managed the security awareness and marketing team for Zoom Video Communications, and you also currently serve on two security awareness and culture advisory boards. You are passionate about helping other people understand their current state, desired future state, and how to shift and sustain necessary behavior change for continued success. Uh, Ava holds a uh, an MBA and a Bachelor of Science in Cybersecurity from the University of Maryland uh, Global Campus after completing coursework at Virginia Tech in Computer Engineering, Electrical Engineering and Horticulture. And Ava has managed security awareness and learning programs across several industries, including working for C-Event, DXE Technologies and CACI. Uh, before your work in security, Ava, uh, you held several positions in data governance, uh, content management, program awareness, and branding at the Navy Federal Credit Union. You live in Northern Virginia with your husband, two daughters, and three dogs. Welcome to the show, and what a, what a great honor to have you on this episode. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm, I'm really excited to sit down and have this discussion with you. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's really a great honor. I had a great time looking you up. I don't know if I should say that on a security podcast uh, and learning more about just what you've been uh, doing and indeed where you contribute. And we're going to touch on some of those kind of media real estate pieces in a, in a moment. But before we dive into all of that, Ava, would you please just give us a bit of a sense of journey? You know, where did this all start? Go back as far as you want. And how does somebody go that far back and then come back and end up as a security awareness lead at such a prestigious organization? Yeah, so I actually started, I'll, I'll take us back to being a child. Um, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with computers, uh, just the way they work. I would take computers apart, put them together. I could ask my mother, she'd read, walk in the room and farts would be all over the floor of my room. Um, I just had this desire to really understand and, and make something of, of technology. And as I started getting a little bit older, maybe teens, I wanted to be in this space of protection. And I felt this, you know, everyone has like different callings. I felt this need to be in a position to protect people, to enable people. And when you take that and you take love of technology, a few things come to mind, right? You could join the military, you could right? Become a uh, part of police force, right? So I, I, I always held that in the back of my head. What am I going to do? I, I knew I wanted to go to college and do some sort of computer engineering. I mean, back then, cybersecurity wasn't a, a typical degree. So you had to do some sort of engineering or computer science to get into it. 
but I also had to make money. So I started my journey at Navy Federal Credit Union. And so that's where I got to jump into lots of different positions, did things like data governance, which is part of that enablement. It's part of, okay, we have all this data. How do we make sure that we are um, organizing, protecting, serving it up to the business in the right way? And over the course of time, I just got really good at demystifying things, right? So I, I end up getting my degree actually with um, University of Maryland Global Campus, and it was actually in specific cybersecurity by that time. I had made a few trips through degree programs. So I finally found myself in cybersecurity. I had learned a lot about how do we demystify confusing things? How do we bring different folks together to really support and use right data, whatever the program is or initiatives really built around. And I ended up getting my first job in security, specifically security with CACI. And I had interviewed with this amazing person who saw all of my past. Okay, she's got an understanding of engineering. She's got this passion to help people. She wants to really, you know, protect, et cetera. And she's good at speaking. She's great. All those soft skills as well, what you usually call soft skills. And she thought it'd be great for the security awareness function. So that's actually how I, I long story short, made my way into security awareness. And since then, I've been in different flavors of security awareness. So either I was the magical unicorn who oversaw all of it alone and, and gradually right, got to this place where there is an understanding that there is a need for a broader team, more diverse, right? experiences, skill sets. And now I manage a team where we look at change management. We're looking at what learning levers to pull, social engineering, exercises to pull, communications, marketing, right? So it's been quite the journey. And um, I'm, I'm just really excited for, you know, what I'm doing with, you know, my current spot in Wikion Technologies and, and how that's going to grow in the future. That is a fascinating journey, at least for me, because you had such a clear sense of purpose um, from, from a very, very young age. And, and I meet very few people that can actually say, I wanted to do this. I wanted to do this for this reason. And you've essentially pursued that line all the way through your career, which I think is, 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 is one, inspiring, but two, just, just, just profound. I think, you know, a lot of people wander around wondering, you know, why on earth am I here? And, and yet it seems like you, you've, you've had insights about that for, for quite some time. I have a quick question before, before we jump on to, to kind of the next segment. When you think about security awareness and you had to kind of pick uh, the kind of two drivers of the challenge, do you think it's a matter of ignorance or is it a matter of ineptitude in terms of just security posture as it pertains to the human aspect, how, how people respond to, uh, to, to security contexts or, you know, threats that come their way. Do you think the reason why sometimes we've fallen over in the past is largely because of lack of knowledge or misapplication of knowledge as kind of the two things that I, that's the way that I kind of split those things. I wonder how you think about it. So I think there's probably a balance of, uh, Think about seatbelts a long time ago, 
right? We didn't wear seatbelts and we're trying to move to adopt seatbelt use. Uh, putting the facts out, but we can list out the facts all day long, but the truth was folks weren't using seatbelts and they were okay with it, right? Like they were okay with it and that was their current state of, of living. So what had to happen? There had to be marketing. There had to be conscious thought about how we change behavior at a human level in order for us to start seeing seatbelt use. So not just the marketing, the billboards, but the, also the laws, right? Like what are those consequence reward levers that get pulled, right? So I, I think knowledge is important. It's really good to get clear on what we want people to do. But then once we've identified specifically what we want people to do, we have to get really good at pushing people across the change, like the board, right? It's not just, we've got the information, here, go do it. It's, okay, how do we identify, understand why this might be a hard change? How do we make it, like incentivize you to make that change? How do we have consequences if you don't, right, go through with that change? But, it, you know, there's a whole life cycle of behavior change management that has to happen, right, for you to get people from work. Okay. Okay. And we're going to touch on that because I can, I can tell that, you know, there is that there's, I, I hate to use this very simplistic language of the carrot and the stick, but, but I am curious about your perspective on, on that, the kind of um, how you approach that. But it's, that's probably a very good segue into you are the security awareness leader uh, or a security awareness, awareness leader at Raytheon Technologies. What does a day in the life of somebody who has that job look like within the context of what we just described, helping people to know stuff and helping people to change their behavior in order to do stuff differently. Uh, could, you, could you just give us some insight, a kind of behind the scenes uh, sneak peek into a day in the life of, of Ava at, at work? Sure. Um, so right now I manage an awesome team who literally runs the gamut of what a security awareness and senior risk management program should look uh, look like. So we have communications and let's see some marketing pieces that are fundamental to the program. So there is always like a check-in, okay, how are we doing in terms of getting this out, getting this out? So it's very much great editorial uh, like. And then we do have components of training. So we have our fundamental trainings that get put out. Are we updating the, how are we measuring against compliance? And then what are those uh, how are we looking from a strategic perspective? Like, where are we moving the needle? How are these special initiatives going to better foster a culture of learning? And then on the social engineering side, right, we need to have this steady state phishing program as well, get people you're used to seeing and, and reporting suspicious email. But then, you know, how are we also enabling people to just be more mindful with their email and vectors of social engineering. So very much there's a steady state check-in, how are things progressing? And then there are those new risks or issues that are identified, brought to the team, and we're able to consult and provide some sort of plan for it or play around. So what that might look like is, uh, let's just say people are phishing or, or clipping on phishing emails. Uh, you know, someone comes to us, says, hey, uh, this population is clicking on real 
emails, they look like this, they're the current campaign, right? We might sit down with them, say, okay, what are they doing now that we want them to stop? Or are they not doing that we want to start? And when you create this sort of remediation plan, that's more of a change management plan, right? What do we need to do? How do we give them the information this group needs? Test to make sure that they are learning, right? So that's part of, not, you don't just teach, but you also check to make sure that they've learned. But then how are we also going to sustain and, and check in with this group and make sure that they're making progress? So that's also something that we would take in at any, you know, any given day whenever something pops up. So um, that's, I would say that's the typical day, right? Just like making sure that the engine's moving and making sure that we are, we are addressing those risks as they come and even, you know, making sure that we're being strategic and in, in how we are trying to change the culture to be more secure. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I can definitely understand that tension between that business as usual, you know, keep the machine and the lights on. And of course, the, the strategic uh, lens of, you know, what, what do we see coming and how are we going to poise ourselves to be able to have the right infrastructure, people, processes to defend ourselves, but also the reactionary stuff, you know, something has happened, as you say, and we've got this population that is, you know, behaving very well or misbehaving, perhaps, uh, who knows. But it's the strategic bit that I'd like to actually turn my, 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 my eye to for a moment. Recently, in a Forbes interview, you were asked a number of questions, and I, I really enjoyed um, reading this article and learning a bit about your perspective on a number of things. But one of the things that you did say concerns you was this tension uh, or that technical controls are being prioritized over human controls and managing human cyber risk. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that and indeed how you see that changing over time? Right now, well, maybe not right now, I think historically and still a lot of the time, when something is found, if there is something, something occurs, we, we do jump to the technical controls and we spend a lot of time on those technical controls. And I don't disagree that that should happen. However, then there's that like 30% left over, which is really the human side of things, which enable some of those technical controls <laughs> just day-to-day -day how people are operating and, and working there isn't the same balance of attention on those technical controls in terms of documenting doing work and then measuring right the the result as there is with human right it's oh just do some training do some training for this population or let's write out a com or something like that. It's just very generic and I, I almost feel like minimized. What I would love to do is allow the human side to be elevated to where they're having conversations with the other folks who are, who are considering those technical controls and that we are addressing risks together and being measured together. A lot of people will say, oh, it's too hard to measure the human side of things. We can't really measure that, so let's not try. And I would say that that is not necessarily true. And when you start thinking about the success of anything, there is always like the actual success, the technical success of remediating or doing something. And then there's the human side of success, right? That's necessary. 
to be wholly successful. Yeah. <laughs> Just that makes sense. No, no, I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think you're making a lot of sense indeed, Ava. And I think Lance Pitzner over at Sans would, would, would absolutely agree with you. I was listening to his episode with our CEO on this very same uh, podcast, on the Behave podcast. And, and he argues that, you know, the majority of technology uh, of investment has gone towards the tech defensive posture, as as you say, and it's left the human aspect vulnerable. And as a result, from an outsider's perspective, it's considered to be the weakest link. But from an internal perspective, it's become the primary attack vector. So you can actually, you know, depending on how you see it or how you think about it, we've spent so much time and money investing in technological defenses and applications that actually we left out the primary attack vector. And that's actually become more sophisticated through, you know, examples like you shared of social engineering, where uh, the bad actors are like, okay, well, there's an open, you know, kind of opportunity to deprive an organizational or, or, you know, gain an authorized access to data in a particular organization. And I think you're right that that the the this idea that technical controls have been prioritized over human controls has left the human aspect as the primary attack vector. 100%, 100%. And people being the weakest link, that gives me such, uh, that brings me such sadness. <laughs> you are Humans are the enablers. We're the ones who are configuring all of those uh, networks. We're the ones who are configuring, right? I don't think that we're necessarily the weakest link. We're the ones who need to be enabled to work more securely. You know, people sign up for classes on how to manage their money better. I wouldn't say that there's anything inherently wrong with people, right? We just haven't maybe been given the tools to be successful. And if there was as much investment in the people, I think that that competency ability bar would be so much higher. Um, you just have to think about how people think. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and that's a very good point, and and, and leads me to my next question. If we're thinking about how people think, um, one of the arguments that's been made indeed most recently by by many kind of um, authoritative voices in the industry is that you know security awareness training as we know it, the kind of traditional approach to it is dead or ineffective at addressing kind of contextual challenges. And there's a lot of debate that goes on. And I see loads of, you know, you know, you know, furious debate going on on LinkedIn in particular, about is it dead? Is it dying? Does it need to evolve? Do we need a revolution? You know, what's going on? Um, um, You have a point of view on this, which, which was around, you know, if we take training, for example, if you just throw it over the fence and expect people to change their behavior because they they got some knowledge, then I think you disagree with that. You think we should be making it more compelling, more engaging and more memorable. Can you can you tell us a little bit about 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 that? Yeah, absolutely. So when we look at marketing, the purpose of marketing isn't really to look pretty or be fun. The purpose of marketing is to get someone to take what you're selling and actually buy it, right? Like that's that's the whole, we want them to make action or to take action and become loyal customers or loyal to that brand or whatever, whatever you're selling. So when we are putting out communications, training, et cetera, we have to layer in that bit of marketing, which really understands, I'm trying to get someone through my sales funnel. I'm trying to get someone through my, let's say, change funnel, right? I have to attract them and have to make them aware that there's a thing that we want you to do, we want you to buy. We have to enable them 
keeping their attention the whole time, enable bounce through whatever training or, you know, resource guides, like compare this product to this product. This one's clearly better, right? And then get them to make that decision. Okay, I'm going to either, yes, agree to start reading my emails before I forward them, or I will, you know, purchase this pair of shoes or whatever device we're buying. And then I'm going to keep coming back to this brand to buy my shoes or buy, you know, whatever it is, uh, you know, whatever security wants to send me, I'm going to listen and, and hop onto that security train. Right. So to do that, you, you have to like have that marketing hat on, like mm, how am I taking mm. them along the journey. How do I keep interest with all of these other things that they have to focus on day to day? Hey, but you're, touching, you're, you're touching on something very, very important here. And, 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 and you know, as a fellow marketer, I like you very much for what you just said. <laughs> I completely agree, you know, that there is, you know, it's not just the art of, of making it, you know, a playful or, or, or funny or whatever the case is. Actually, there's a, there's a deeper underlying purpose within all of that stuff. And in particular in this space, it's about actually helping people to help themselves. And, 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 I, and I think that's, that's, that's quite interesting, but it flies quite directly in the face of many organizations that I encounter where compliance is the strategy, uh, not necessarily behavior change, where, you know, if we just get this level of completion rate on our training or our click rate on our phishing simulations is at X, you know, as far as the regulator is concerned or as far as other people that look at these metrics are concerned, you know, we've done what we need to do. So if something bad happens, you know, we, you know, we did our best, basically. And, and that's quite in contrast to what you're describing, which is if we really care about not just the program being a success, but the people being, you know, having better instincts and having a better posture, you know, we're going to put some effort into how we present information to those people and try to uh, give it to them when they need it, how they need it, in a way that they're receiving information from other marketers to whom they actually do give their attention. So I think that's quite interesting. And I, and I don't know if you've got any more to say on that part, but I find that, I find that fascinating, but also really challenging for us as, as kind of marketers in this space. Yeah, so I like to look at it in terms of internal versus external marketing. When we talk about compliance and we have, we're, we're trying to use, uh, we want the regulators, we, we use these external forces to drive, right? Like let's be compliant. In a way you're, that's, that's like external marketing to me, right? You are trying to drive some sort of security assurance you're trying to say, hey, you know, we want to look more competitive. You're still trying to market. And so if you want to take that lens, I think try to try to turn it in that way. Like, so if this is about taking off a box, we have to take off this box so that we really shine. Right. That's kind of your external, like, let's let's do what we need to do to still be competitive in business. <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> internal marketing piece. And when I talk about internal marketing, I'm talking about actually securing your organization. Right. So there is, I'm taking off a box so I can be competitive and I can stay in business. But then there's also the, I want my employees to work in a way that is secure. I want to help lower the internal, like the risk of the organization. And that requires marketing to your employees. Right. So you could still put it on that marketing, put that marketing lens on it and, and spin it. So all those folks who are going for compliance right now, 
we'll just call that, you know, that's external marketing. That's your security assurance at play. I'm sure somebody has just been extremely helped by that comment because they've been grappling with how do I, <laughs> how do I excite not just myself, but the team around what we're doing? Because, you know, yeah, oftentimes it doesn't feel like that. Exactly. You need both. You need both. I think they're part of a continuum. Maybe you just focus on that external piece. You get the checkbox, right? Like as your first level of maturity, let's say. And then you're strategic, you grow. You're like, we really do need to make sure that people are working in a secure way, that we are definitely producing uh, qualified employees, right? Like who know how to configure things correctly, that know how to make secure products, right? So there's, you, you have to do both, but maybe, you know, it's not boiling an ocean or it's how you boil the ocean. Yeah, you, I, think, I, think, I think you're onto something, but there is, there is one group in particular I'd like to ask you a question about, and that's about our executive leadership and our boards. In, in that same Forbes article, I could tell that you were suggesting quite strongly that there needs to be a cultural shift that occurs at that executive leadership level. And by that, I mean, sometimes teams that are responsible for uh, these security programs find it difficult to communicate the organization's risk to executives and to board level. And, and I guess my question is, what's the kind of marketing that we need to do for that group? Because I think we touched on marketing to the users in our organization and marketing to the external kind of stakeholders, the regulator and so on. But what about this group that's really tasked with the strategic imperatives of the organization? How do we help them come into, into a broader or maybe deeper understanding of the challenge at hand with respect to security today? So I would, I would think about it this way. If you're trying to get, let's say, additional funding, you're trying to you're trying to keep attention, focus on the what's going on in security within your organization. You have to do more than just provide some stats, right? That's not that's a piece of a story. That's a piece of a story. You have to do more than okay. Here's my like our thought leadership on this, right? Like you actually have, a, have to have a very specific strategy on how you're going to compel different people and get them really grounded and even make them champions of what you are doing within security. And that requires a lot of planning. Just there were certain individuals that I don't want to disclose the company, but there were certain individuals who were trying to shift. And what we would do is every now and then we would send some, some education, like some articles, right, to this certain individual so that they were getting this additional education on security in general and what things are, you know, impacting uh, the market. That was, you know, it took... I'd say months and months and months, but eventually we got that person over the hump and able to advocate on our behalf in certain circles. And so on top of your standard reporting, you know, whatever your packaging you deliver, there has to be some thought about, okay, these key individuals need to move from this place to this place, either people who are against, uh, apathetic, right? We need to get them over the hump. We need to do different things with those individuals or bring to like in a report yeah. or whatever that helps them become advocates or at least on board, right? Caring about what yeah. we're doing. Yeah. 
So very much like any, any type of change management, you, you have to know who you're dealing with. You have to know where people are, have a strategy for how you're going to get them where you need them to That's be it. and execute on that strategy. That's brilliant. And, and again, Ava, you know, we could talk for hours uh, about these things, but I think somebody, somebody has been helped just with that. You know, they're going to go and nurture, you know, a particular executive or a group of executives and guide them, not, not just with a one, you know, one kind of silver bullet, but actually over the, over a period of time, I think is what you're describing. You can, you can actually nudge them along into broader and deeper understanding of the things at stake or the consequences of certain things. And actually by then turn them from skeptics to advocates, which I think is what we all want when it comes to either getting more funding or just support for, for, for shifting tactics or introducing new science or new technology uh, into, 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 into our security programs. Fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I've got one more question for you, and it's a wild card question because I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you, get asked, you get asked, you know, all things security awareness, etc. I'm more interested in, you know, you're so busy and you're clearly deeply involved uh, serving on, 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 on boards and, and etc. What, what do you do for fun? You know, when, when you're not uh, out there kind of, you know, helping people to think about their future and and supporting the industry, what, what, where are you most likely to be found on a Saturday afternoon, for example? So I, for fun, I play with my daughters. I've got two daughters who are, uh, one is about to turn three, and the other one is about to turn two and, or, sorry, two and a half. So I, I play with my daughters a lot. I think that it's very, it kind of feeds me. And it goes along with that whole demystifying things. Children are so straightforward and honest, and they tell you like it is. There's no sort of fuzziness around it. So that's, that's just very refreshing to, to be with them. And I also really like video games. I Oh, really? Pull <laughs> hours out of the day to, you know, turn on the Xbox and, um, and play. So. Just get lost in a virtual world. Well, Ava, as as a girl dad myself, offered two year old, I can totally empathize with the both the healing qualities of spending time with her, but also you know just makes me ponder and reflect. I think that she and indeed they are so honest in their reflections because they feel safe, and I think that that context, if applied maybe into our working lives, would mean that we would get much more candid feedback, much more emotive responses, and much clearer um, kind of litmus tests of where people are, actually are. And, and, and just as you said that, I just wondered to myself, why is it that my daughter is so comfortable saying, Daddy, I don't like that, whatever. It's actually because, you know, she's in a completely safe uh, environment where she, you know, it's, there's never, she never does, it's not that she never does anything wrong, but there's nothing wrong with saying how you feel or what you're seeing or describing it very accurately as you see it. Exactly. And, and that is part of why it's so rewarding to just to take that and carry that along. I think safety is, that's another, that's a, a, a topic for another discussion, but um, safety is so important. I agree. And on that note, because I know I will invite you back to come and talk about maybe that on its own. I would like to thank you, Ava, for taking the time out to spend time with us here on the Behave podcast. To our listeners, my guest today, uh, my esteemed guest today has been Ava, uh, who is the security awareness leader for Raytheon Technologies and a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful contributor to the society. Ava, thank you so much. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show again very soon. Thank you, Munya. Awesome. We'll see you again on the next one. <laughs>